Well, we've gone through the book of Acts, continuing down through chapter 18, and this is a good part. I think it's a good time for me to back up just a little bit and, and look at something here that, that we read through in, in chapter 18 early on. Um, you know, we, we look at all the things that Paul was doing. We look at, and last week we talked about how far his journeys had taken him. How many days had he actually traveled? How many miles had he actually traveled? But you know, there's another aspect to his ministries and all of this travel that's going on. This costs money. There's there's got to be something here that that has been, you know, he's got to be provided for. Um, you, you don't, you don't get to do all of this without some resources. You know, a man's got to eat. You've got to do a lot of things that are just not all going to be free. And so as we were reading at the back near the beginning of chapter 18, when we saw this, uh, time where Paul had, had gotten together with Aquila and Priscilla, and it talks about how they were tent makers and shared the same trade that the apostle Paul shared. So we see Paul working and we see him you know, going to work in order to help support his journey and support his ministry. But we see in verse 5 of chapter 18, it says, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. We also know from reading in 1 Corinthians that when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, they brought with them support for Paul that the brothers in Macedonia had given to them to bring back. And so Paul was being a tent maker until the support arrived, and then we don't hear of that anymore. We hear of him going about his, his business and doing what it is that he's been called to do. And, and I just wanted to kind of bring that out as we talk about missions work, and as we talk about what, what Tink and, and others are about to be involved in and their, their travel. You know, there are, there are those who are called to go directly to witness and, and to work with people on the front lines, and there are those who are called to support. And, and oftentimes I think we, we forget that even if we're unable to, to go, if we don't feel called to go, uh, we, we, we still have a role that we can play, a very important role that we can play in prayer and support in all different kinds of ways to send them on their way so that God's work can be done. Paul could not have done what he was called to do without the support of godly people who went with him and who supported him along the way. And so God moved and worked in the hearts of all of these folks who we read about all throughout the book of Acts. When we, when we see all these names coming up and we see Silas and Timothy and we see Priscilla and Aquila and all the other names that, that we will, will hit as we, as we go through Paul's missionary journey, these were folks that provided him some support in some way, whether it was uplifting in prayer, whether it was a home to live in, whether it was a way to, to make money to support himself, whatever it may be, he was not alone in this mission that he was called to do by God. And, and we study and we talk about the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul. But I don't, I don't want us to forget the fact or, or overlook the fact that he had so much support around him, obviously all provided by God, but it takes people to answer the call in order for that to occur. 
and, and it just seemed like as I was was pouring over um, what we were going to talk about today in chapter 19, for some reason I kept going back to this, this idea that Paul was not alone and wanted to bring that up today and talk about it just a little bit and point it out uh, because it feels timely with what's with what uh, is is about to take place, and and uh, we need to we need to remember that as a church and as individuals. Uh, comments, questions, criticisms. Do you need anything from us to prepare for your trip, though? You, have, you know what I'm saying? Other than prayers and things like that. Uh, it's going to be expensive huh? to get there and back. <laughs> They're going to they're going to announce a special offering today, so yeah, the opportunity will be there uh, to to assist and um, uh, financially and, and obviously through prayer as well. But and I didn't I didn't wasn't I wasn't and I'm not trying to spur anybody on. I'm just trying to say that that certainly these these types of missionary journeys that we're reading about that Paul took are are, are not. Even though this was to found the church and, and these were the acts of the apostles to start things off, people still have to go and people still have to witness and people still have to bring the gospel and people still have to be supported. You know, it's it's no different. And, and you think about what well, Paul was called and Paul had God behind him. He did. But look at all the other people that God put along beside him to make it happen. And what's that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge thing in and of itself. I mean, you think about how I like to talk about all the time that, you know, I think we, we take for granted all of our modern conveniences. Paul didn't have all of that. And to have a roof over your head had to be incredibly important and a wonderful blessing uh, for him to experience. And thank God, the circuit riding preachers, you know, back in the old days, did about the same thing. Yeah, they did. They didn't know how far they were going to get in one day. You know, just uh, wherever they stopped, somebody would take them there and uh, help them out. Absolutely, yeah. So it's, it's it, you know, <laughs> I guess to that point, Jim, it, missionary work of different kinds has, has been going on ever since this and before. Um, and it takes dedicated people who are willing to answer the call uh, to go, but it takes dedicated people who are also willing to answer the call to support. So, yeah, what's that? What's that? No, he's not. He is not. Yeah. And I think we as humans tend to categorize things as, you know, whether they be sins or things like this, which are like, you know, this is like that we see the people as going as a while they get to do the great awesome work. And I mean, you know, and a lot of us would love to travel and go and um but I think people need to realize that if God asks you to give or do to pray, if, if that's what he asks you to do, or if he asks you to give $5 or $500 or whatever, I think the important thing is that everybody, every single part is important and it's the obedience. Obedience. 
it's, it's just answering what God called you to do that is, you know, that makes it all. I mean, if if people don't do what God, you know, they obviously he'll get somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> he'll make it work. Yeah. God's gonna God's gonna make it work regardless. But you but you miss you miss an opportunity, and I've talked about this before. When God calls you to either be the, on the receiving end or the giving end of some sort of a ministry. And that's a very broad term. And you don't either accept or answer. You miss out tremendously on the blessing that God has in store for you. And you are blessed when you obey God. End of story. It does not matter what that action is, how insignificant it may appeal, it may appear or feel to you. If God has called you to do it, you have prayed about it, and you are being moved by the Holy Spirit to say or do or pray, do it. Because God will bless you and you'll feel it. You'll feel it. The word blessing takes on such different connotations, I know. It has nothing to do with financial gain. It has nothing to do with, with, with anything earthly. It has everything to do with, with just obeying God and receiving what he has in store for you, whatever that may be. Yeah. We, uh, we started watching uh, the third season of Chosen last night. And kind of one of God's things is, you know, this morning we're talking about this because the episode that we, we stopped on last night was him sending the apostles out to, to minister and it's funny the questions that they were asking when you realize when you listen and obviously it's dramatized but when you listen to the questions that they're asking it's questions that we would all ask and the bottom line is that the root of all of those questions was the, the lack of trust you know they had to trust God you Paul you guys are you know obviously you're not wealthy you're not you know doing this out of wealth or or you're having to trust God to come up with the funding and putting you with the right people in the right place at the right time. There's just a level of trust there that's amazing. I watched that episode last night also. And, and you know, obedience, I'll say this all the time, that obedience delayed is still disobedience, right? The more we trust God, and the more that we, the more we really come to the to the realization that we can trust God, the more quickly we will obey. And so, if you find yourself experiencing calls to do something, and you go, "I'm afraid to do that," it's a sign of lack of trust. It, it truly is. And I'm not saying that for any other reason, just to say, I understand it. I experience it every single day. It is something that I think with our, with our, our sinful nature and our battle as, as Christians that we always will have against worldly desires, worldly thoughts versus spiritual desires and spiritual thoughts, we are always going to have a bit of a problem in the trust department. And we have to keep turning back to Scripture. We have to be in places like we are right now, having these conversations, reminding ourselves, being in prayer, all of these things regularly, 
or it gets to the point where I, I really truly do believe the Holy Spirit's voice starts to sound further and further and further away. And not that, not that he has left you, but we have stopped, we can stop listening and, and allow other voices to be louder and drown that out. And it's, and it's not, it's not a place we want to be. It's not a place we want to be. Anything else? Is this man that's coming today, is he a missionary? No, he's just a pastor. Yes, I know. He's a, he's a pastor, but, he, but the, there's a female coming too that's a mission. She's the missions director at the church. She, she organizes the majority of the trips, and I have several organized trips per year. So, in short, I'm going to say yes. There you go. <laughs> the trip I went to in Indiana, we invite missionaries in. And one of the things that the mission, missionary asked for was hamburger helpers. And I couldn't understand why she wanted hamburger helpers until she came to visit. And then I realized she was eating food that I would eat. I'd starve first. <laughs> and, and that was the Take the taste that you receive away from it. And it just touched me so much that we begin to support her a lot more than what we can. Those who are called uh, go through, sometimes go through uh, situations that we can't imagine. And, uh, but we are, we are glad that they are, that they are called. All right, well, we're going to get into chapter 19 and talk about Paul in Ephesus and what takes place. And let's see if I can get there so that we can talk about it. <laughs> Any other questions before we, before we begin? All right. Well, let's look at uh, chapter 19, verse 11. Um, we've, uh, we've, we've talked about a few things here that through chapter 18 that have brought us to this point. Paul continues on his uh, third journey, and we'll start reading at verse, verse 1, chapter 19. It says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was, come, was to come after him, and that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. So we have a similar discussion here that we had the other day, or I should probably last week, if I'm not mistaken, where we were talking about... Um, what was his name? Isn't that terrible? I've, I've totally lost it. Um, we were talking, was it Apollos? Yes, thank you. Whew. Not enough coffee this morning. But we were talking about the fact that Apollos was a, was a, uh, was a believer. Um, 
but here we have here we have a group of people who say that they have been baptized essentially by by John John's baptism and they're not aware of the Holy Spirit in any way shape or form they don't know they don't know what he's talking about so they probably have not heard of the day of, of Pentecost they've probably not heard about what took place when the Holy Spirit came upon um, everyone that day and so here's a situation where they need to they need to be baptized properly they need to have a full understanding of who Christ is and we see this happening again where there's a laying upon of hands that leads to the Holy Spirit coming upon these folks and and so I wanted to pause and talk about that for just a minute um, one, we, we had come to the conclusion that we might be able to make to draw some parallels between Old Testament believers and how they were saved, and also someone in this particular situation who might have a belief or an understanding of the Savior, but maybe not fully understand who Jesus is. We were having that bit of a, of a back and forth. But now I want to ask you, if you're not, if you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, are you saved? Based upon what we know at this time, the way that God is handling things and the way that the church is coming together and the way that we see God working, if you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and let's talk about these 12, were they saved? Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, then they will be saved. Okay, how do we apply that here? So there... Do they understand that Jesus died on the cross for their sins? Is where that kind of comes into play because that's where your salvation comes from is your belief in that and the repentance that you are a sinner. But they are they, I guess I'm questioning, are they so old testament that they're still sacrificing for sins? Or Yeah, and I don't think we I don't think we know that. Um, what we what we do know is that they have no knowledge of the Holy Spirit. We do know that they were they were baptized into repentance, which is what John was calling people to do, and 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 so it's it's worth discussing. I think I think most scholars are going to tell you that these folks were not saved, that they needed to have the Holy Spirit, and that and that it was it was Paul's calling to come and do this so that the church could be founded in Ephesus. Um, but but it's worth it's worth discussing. When did the old covenant go away, essentially, and the new covenant begin? When Jesus died. When Jesus died on the cross. It was born at that point. So, so there's so there's a there's a discussion worth having that following the crucifixion of Christ and his resurrection, after that point. If you do not possess the Holy Spirit, are you saved? Because now we're talking about the new covenant. We're talking about, and, and by this point, we've already experienced in Acts chapter 10, an immediate coming on of, of the Holy Spirit when people believe. And we've also had that discussion that we know that God is working through special 
applications here that through the book of Acts we find in order to establish churches in certain areas, in order to establish relationships among different people who have different beliefs, that he's working things differently. And on occasion, we have seen people who believe but do not have the Holy Spirit until there's a laying upon of hands. And there's always a purpose within that. And it doesn't continue, and it doesn't necessarily mean that 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 is how God's going to do it from this point on. So, but again, that just, I think it's worth having the discussion, and and I'll, I'll kind of just open it up for thoughts, and and uh, anybody want to want to expound upon that a little bit. Well, you had to know that Jesus came and died on the cross for you. These people were still looking for the Messiah to get to them. I think that's a good point. They haven't heard of him yet. Yeah. So how could they believe if they haven't heard? They didn't know the Holy Ghost. They didn't. They didn't know that Jesus died for them. Uh, they may not even have heard about Jesus if they'd have been some of the early disciples of John the Baptist. They could have moved on somewhere else and never even knew what all had taken place. But how would you? And, and I, I don't mean to keep going in circles here. But if you think about Old Testament believers. Wouldn't you describe them similarly? That they knew that someone was coming. They had the faith to know that he was that he was coming. And but in this situation, how would you look at at these folks and say, well, they don't really fit that mold? Well, we have to all say thank you to have to figure that they were still waiting for him to get there. They just, they just yeah, it's. It, I mean, I think it can be confusing to go to go back and forth, and I and I in looking at this and trying to 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 kind of kind of uh, rectify and, and justify what's taking place here and why it's taking place. First and foremost, when we again realizing that that it was we were going God was going to establish the church in Ephesus, and He's going to use these people most likely for that establishment. There's something special that's taking place here. So the Holy Spirit is going to come into them in a special way. This is also the last time we hear about uh, speaking in tongues throughout the rest of the book of Acts. There's no more mention from here on out. And again, the whole understanding is, I think we have to, to really think seriously about when the, the old and new covenant came into uh, came into pass and understanding that after Jesus's death on the cross understanding that the Holy Spirit has come that it's necessary to see that indwelling and we could have these circular discussions all day long um, and I don't uh, I don't want to uh, weigh it down too heavily um, but but certainly there's the, the what I want what I was to leave here with is the understanding that this is another special circumstance uh, that was brought out that God's going to use for a special purpose. And we never see this happen again. We don't see the the laying on of hands to be necessary for the Holy Spirit uh, to come into these folks. Uh, Were these people? Go ahead. Was the high priest or the Gentiles? Say again. I'm sorry. Could it have meant that Paul was a high priest for the Gentile people, so that they could look to Paul's testimony of being a Gentile believer? That's my thought. Perhaps. Yeah, I'm trying to think how that how that uh, applies. <clears throat> well, Apollos was a disciple of John. Yeah. And uh, he followed John for a long time. 
And afterwards, he came to Paul. And Paul did lay on his hands to make him believe. And that's my opinion. Yeah. It's like everybody else. No, I can, I, can see, I can see where you're headed there, Mary. Ken, what uh, what'd you have here? Well, I was just going to say, yeah. um, could it be that these were some people that had been under John's ministry that had been scattered and um, by the sending out of Paul and other leaders to these different places that it both establishes credibility uh, of true believers there and um, anybody that would have been under John's baptism of repentance seems to be the trend of the laying on of hands and acts and so we start to see it less yeah get through the book of acts because it would have not been a whole lot of people but they had believed but the unfolding of what the new covenant looked like hadn't fully happened yeah but they hadn't fully realized it yet right so yeah. there was an understanding of who the holy spirit was um from like john 14 or 16 or somewhere in there but uh, these may have been some of the last ones under John the Baptist's uh, ministry that when Paul shows up, both the laying on hands, uh, they receive the Holy Spirit, but then also it gives credibility to a new church being started by one. It, it does, and it, and it, and it certainly gives, uh, it, it, it verifies and validates uh, Paul's apostolic uh, presence and authority for what he's accomplishing as well. And and so when you when you put all of that together, uh, God can God can work in a miraculous and wonderful way to give validity to the church that He's starting to found. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Great, great discussion. Anybody else? Verse four says that even John had told them that that they would need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul and Paul tells them that. John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him. And then he makes it clear that that was in fact Jesus Christ, and it has happened, and then that's when I don't like went off. Yeah, the switch got flipped. Yeah, the switch got flipped, and and I think that I think that that's sometimes you just need that that little push um, to get to get over the edge. In this case, um, but you're right. I mean, and and we when we're reading through the book of John and we're seeing uh, and, and reading about John the Baptist and reading about all the things that took place in, in John's ministry, um, we find very clearly that 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 John the Baptist was in was separating himself from Christ very very clearly as he would talk to people he would make it very clear that he's not worthy of the one who's coming and that you know when when uh, when we read in the book of John about how the, they were trying to uh, for the followers of John the Baptist were trying to stir people up and say have you heard about Jesus over there and all these people that are following him and they're not following you anymore they're starting to listen to him don't you don't you have a problem with that and John's no I don't have a problem with that in fact if uh, if you if you were were really listening to me you'd be over there too and and so John was pretty if you really listen to John you should have an idea of who's coming no question about it but these people needed that push and they needed that further witnessing and that takes us back, I think, also to what we talked about when we first sat down here and started discussing, and that is the idea of being a missionary. There are so many people who have this, this surface understanding of who Christ is, but they don't have a heart understanding. 
There might be a head understanding, but not a heart understanding. And sometimes all it takes is a few words. All it takes is a little push in order to flip that switch and turn on whatever it is that gets turned on that allows God to do what God does in the act of salvation. And it, 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 takes, it takes people to go, it takes people to talk, and it takes people to witness. And we're seeing that take place all through the book of Acts on these missionary journeys. These were 12 men in all. Um, anything else? This is good. I like it. <laughs> Mary. I can't think of any other instance off the top of my head where they were baptized by John and be baptized in the name of Jesus later. But Specifically, I can't either. Um, it's interesting that there's 12 of them too. It is, yeah, I agree. It is interesting. Mm-hmm. I think this kind of ties into what you said where, you know, I feel like it's the whole, it is the Holy Spirit. The heart part is the Holy Spirit. I feel like when you fully surrender and let go, then the Holy Spirit can come completely in your heart. But this is, I'm reading all my little notes, and this is this is um, back in Matthew 3. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Yeah. So. Yeah, John was pretty clear, wasn't he? Yeah, if you if you really knew, if you really listened to John and understood, then then you should know what's coming. And uh, I think it's just a good discussion to have. I don't have any answers personally. I just I, I never do. <laughs> Take your mouth wide open, you okay? Yeah. Okay, I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So Paul set Paul set him straight. Paul gave him what he needed, and uh, or gave them what they needed, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and there were twelve men in all. In verse eight, it says, "And he entered the synagogue, and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God." But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, in other words, the belief in Christ, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all of the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Uh, We will start next week here and talk about the... the, uh, Uh, starting in verse 11, the sons of Sceva, we will talk about um, some things that took place there and uh, some interesting occurrences with uh, folks trying to perform uh, exorcisms and uh, do it in a way that was certainly not the best idea. And uh, I'm sure you all have heard about it and read about it. Uh, But we'll pick up there next week and see where that takes us. I appreciate y'all being here this morning for the discussion. And uh, any further comments, questions before we close and and clear out of here so folks uh, can come in feeling uninhibited. I don't know why people open the door and see me sitting here talking. They're like, ah! It's all, it's all the visitors. It's all <laughs> the family back there being loud. Oh, is that what it is? I didn't even hear them. No, me neither. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Fair enough. All right. Let's close with word prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, thank you so much for preserving it for us these many years and allowing us to come here this morning with the freedom to study it, to discuss it openly, Lord, and to come to know you better through that process. Um, Lord, we just thank you so much for um, continuing to watch over and provide for this church and allowing us to do your work. Uh, Lord, we pray for those who are embarking upon missionary journeys and trips. And Lord, we just hope and pray that all of us will be obedient and respond to your calling. Uh, Respond to your calling to support in prayer and financial um, or in that call to actually go out and be on the front lines. Uh, Lord, help us to trust you more so that we can truly be obedient without delay. Uh, Lord, again, thank you so much for all that you've done. Uh, Lord, we pray for those who were unable to be here with us this morning, and we pray for the service that's about to take place as we enter into the sanctuary. Lord, be with those who will be speaking, and we just hope and pray that uh, the words that are said will open hearts and that your kingdom will be grown. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask all these things. Amen.